FM Breakfast Show with the Double L Team, Lyle and Lawson. Welcome, everybody. You're listening on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across the Faith FM network this morning. We're going to give a special shout out to some of our listeners as we always do. We're going to begin in Wandai in Queensland to those listening on 88, in Mandurah in Western Australia to those listening also on 88, and in Outback Australia listening on 688. Mm. What? Outback Australia. 688. 688. What is that? Well, where is Outback Australia? Is that an AM station? Okay, so this is how it works, guys. This is this is pretty amazing. This is the Vast Network. Uh-huh. Uh, so Vast Radio is channel 688. Uh, you'll find that uh, across the entire Outback Australia. There is no place in the Outback where you can't pick up the Vast Network. Because that's satellite, awesome. it's satellite-based. Oh, that's sick. Yeah, so you can you, – anywhere – Absolutely anywhere in the outback, you got that satellite downlink. You can go for it. You can be thirty meters underground. You could be, but would you hear vast network? If you've got a satellite on the surface and the cable running down to where you are, <laughs> yes, you would. Yeah, <laughs> let's go. What are you grateful for this morning, Lyle? I'm grateful for the vast network because I love the outback. I love uh-huh. outback Australia. It's the best environment ever. There are so <laughs> really? many, so many remote communities out there. I do. I really love it. It's amazing. The hot, dry, dusty. Yeah. You're about it. I am. The red dirt. You've never been there, have you? I have never been to the Outback. No. You need to go to the Outback. You will fall in love with the Outback when you go there. I'm, I'm keen. Yeah. I'm keen to get out. I'm keen to go walk about. Huh? I'm keen to check out the sites. Let's, let's get it organised. Who's doing a trip? Who's doing the, the Simpson or the Canning? Invite Lawson along. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. It's The Breakfast Show with Lyle and Lawson. We're about to have a question for our quiz, followed by positively different news. All right, question for the quiz. The first one, those that received the gift of tongues were able to do what according to Acts chapter 2? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. If you do, you can go into the draw to win Snake Bites and Shipwrecks, our epic board game that we're giving away. It's like a map-building tile board game where you map out the different journeys of Paul's missionary work all throughout the book of Acts. And, of course, this first question that we've got is also in the book of Acts. So that was, those that received the gift of tongues were able to do what, according to Acts chapter 2? If you want any terms or conditions about our quiz, you can head to our website to do so. That's faithfm.com.au. But, again, that number is 0491-064-669. Those that receive the gift of tongues are able to do what, according to Acts chapter 2? Okay, if you know the answer, you know the number to call. Let's have some positively different radio here this morning. Okay, positively different news. On August 1st, this is about 10 days ago and ongoing, planning commenced in Switzerland to build an underground railroad system purely for cargo that is automated and self-charging. So this is like free energy? Like, it's a railroad system that's run on free energy. Because it only has cargo in it. Free energy is not a thing, though. Well, they're saying, look, if we just put up enough solar panels and enough... Okay, so it's not free energy, it's solar power. Yeah, 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 that's right. Enough solar panels, enough... Well, I call them whirly-dirlies, but you've got the big, like, wind turbines. Yes. Uh, If you put up enough of those... Okay. Then you create, because then you've got all of, basically, they're making all of these, in this underground rail system, mm-hmm. you've got all these electric 
self-driving cargo trains yes. that travel around all over the place delivering so this cargo. is going to be a network to all of this the go- major cities? So yeah, yeah. It's going to be this massive underground network that goes everywhere. Now, the diameters, the diameters of the tunnels under the ground are only about, like, 20 feet. Okay. Which isn't huge. No, that's not huge. But you can fit, you know, you stack a couple of pallets on each one of these cargo trains, and they just go up and down and back and around. They're initially starting off with a 70-kilometer stretch from Zurich to a place, a major logistics hub called Niederbip. Yes. I believe that's what it's Your named. Swiss German is... Maybe lacking. Maybe struggling a little bit. They hadn't even. It's <laughs> the the other name for this location is Harkingen. But anyways, Harkingen. There, there. That place. That place where they have a major logistics hub. That's their yes. first kind of route that they want to create. This seventy kilometer stretch, and then from there create branches off it, going for about you know five hundred different kilometers and all these different ways. It sounds like a really cool project. It's a really cool project. It's obviously a massive undertaking. It's something that could only happen in Switzerland because that would just be simply impossible in Australia. And the, and, and Switzerland would be such a crazy place to put rail overland mm. because it's so mountainous. It would be so challenging, whereas to just go underground, you just bore a hole in a straight line. That's right. Just get your whole borer, your drill. Start drilling. They're they're estimating that around 40% of all cargo will come off the roads and go underground. Like, just absolutely solving congestion. That would be be so amazing. Yeah. It would just free up your road system so much. 100%. And in a a country like Switzerland, it's a very uh, condensed country that you don't have big spaces between Mm -hmm. cities. I mean, if you, you drive from... From Melbourne to Brisbane with cargo here in Australia, you've driven through what five, six, eight, ten Switzerlands. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> right. like how many Switzerlands have you driven? Have through you been to Switzerland to before? Trip? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like one minute you're in Bern, and the next second you're just in Switzerland, like in Zurich. It's just like the other thing about Switzerland is you're always driving around a lake somewhere. Yeah, that's right. And so if you're going underground, you can just go in a straight line. That sounds like a much better idea. You're just bypassing everything. Yes, but this is this is such a cool project and they're wanting to complete the entirety of it by 2045 which is pretty far away but i'm like if you're going to build tunnels under roads to every single logistics hub slash major city it's probably going to take that long they're they've already got holes to drill there they are putting up around a 35 billion dollar investment to be able to to do so but like well it would be cheaper than building roads to be able to take 40 percent more traffic yeah that's right 100 percent. i would think I could be wrong, but we, I we would assume, think so. We assume, yeah. Look, yeah. obviously they're I mean, doing doing this the green powered way, uh, which you know takes that's good. Little, you know, there's no, there's nothing wrong with that. Which yeah, is fantastic. But you know, take a, I think a little bit more of an injection of cash to be able to work with that kind of newer technology and have those kinds of engineers on site to be. And able being to fully automated, I imagine it would be a very fast system. Yeah, that's right. And there are electric trains as well. So, so they're going to be going to be, going to be just, traveling fast. They're just taking off. You know, like. Ah, it just, um, I was up at the snow recently and you've got the ski tube there, the electric train that runs up and down the, the mountain, you know, Mount goes to like Parisha, Blue Cow and Spingens Hole and all those different places to, to pick people up and, and drop people off. And that system is just like so old, even though it's like fully yeah, electric, but it's like ancient, ancient, but then you see this and it's like, they've got all these pods and it's like super high tech. And, you and, know, and, and Europe, Europe, they out. have like high speed trains. We don't have high speed trains. We don't in do that here. 
In fact, that's probably probably my favourite political party that has ever run for office in Australia. Light Rail for Australia. And Fast Rail or Light Rail? They called it Light Rail. Okay. The Light Rail, well, but they meant, like, they wanted to make a bullet train from Brisbane to Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was probably my, my favourite political party that's ever run, particularly when they did interviews with them, because they were just going on about, like, we need this train, da 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 And then it was like, oh, so what's your views on, you know, other policies like immigration or whatever it may be? And they're like, well... You know, we take a stance of common sense. That's, that, that, that's, <laughs> that's who we are. We don't have a policy. We don't have but We just we just want light rail. And uh, I would love light rail here in I Australia. I would love fast Dude, rail. A massive, big bullet train that can go 300 kilometres yes. and take me from Brisbane to yes. Melbourne in no time flat. But at the same time, yeah, Switzerland is kind of getting that. But this is for, purely for cargo. Pure, like, they'll have... Nice. Uh, regular pods, refrigeration, refrigerated pods for, you know, temperature sensitive items and whatnot. Yeah, this is specifically for cargo. They're like, hey, look, Switzerland's a beautiful country. Let's keep everyone above ground. Let's send all that cargo underneath. They don't have eyes. They can't see anything. So this is, this is such a cool thing. And I, I'm, I'm so keen to see where it moves in the future. Speaking of other cool things, interesting things. Hey, Lyle, I've got a question for you. Yes. Do you think smartphones make us smarter or dumber? Definitely dumber. Really? Yes. Really? No question. 100%. Because we don't have to do, use our brain. Whenever we need to think, we just uh, type it up on the smartphone and the smartphone thinks for us and we don't have to go and sort of, you know, research stuff. Well, the University College London would actually disagree with you. That's all right. I disagree with them. Because they're, what would they know? they're saying that apparently smartphones give us the ability to have a more broader spectrum of knowledge because we have a place in which we can research this is true. You have more knowledge, but it doesn't make you smarter. Ah, okay. So, so, you're so, so maybe maybe we've got a difference of definitions here. It doesn't enable you to be more practical or beneficial as a person, just know about more things. Yeah, it definitely enables you to know about more things. I mean, how many times have you sat in a sermon? I know I do. I'm a typical ex-gen. I sit in sermons and the pastor says something up the front and I'm just Googling it like, mm. really? Really? I didn't know that. <laughs> Google it away. I'm pretend I'm reading my Bible phone, whereas I'm actually just Googling what, what he was talking about and come up with a whole bunch. And it's like, whoa, there you go. I never knew that before. Um, so it definitely adds to knowledge. But say, for instance, when you need to do mental arithmetic, Mm-hmm. to solve a particular problem. We don't do that anymore because you just pull out your smartphone and type it in your calculator. But this is the thing. Then if you have you the ability to do, to do if more. If you need to navigate, then uh, we don't navigate anymore. But we then we can go the more line. places. No. 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 We're dumber. We're dumber? We're dumber. We have more information. We're dumber. Uh-huh. <laughs> who agrees with me? Who doesn't? 0491 <laughs> Do smartphones, smartphones make you smarter or are the smartphones smarter? Ooh. Which one is smarter in today's society? Okay, actually, speaking of uh, some other news on smartphones and specifically communication that takes place over smartphones, some 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 fantastic news has come out. Uh, Meta has just announced, Meta, the owner of Facebook, Instagram, and also yep. WhatsApp as well, they've just announced they're going to add a feature in which you can leave groups silently in WhatsApp, which is just the best thing ever. Because do you use WhatsApp, Lyle? Yeah, I use WhatsApp. And, I use it all the time. And you're always getting sucked into groups. I, I find that yeah, I you just, 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 just jump back out again. What's yeah, the but, problem? but now you don't have to be scared of offending people. You can just take off and no one sees that you I've left. never been scared of offending anybody. I just leave. It's That's like, powerful. This, this is not a, That's, this is not now a that is, that is, is X-Gen beneficial. energy right there. Absolutely. You're like, I don't care about it. I don't have time for this. I'm out. <laughs> 
You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. In which chapter of Ephesians does Paul discuss the armor of God? 0491-064-669. That is our quiz question right now. If you know the answer, you will go into the draw to win Snake Bites and Shipwrecks, our epic board game that we are giving away this week. We run the draw on Friday, so you have a couple days to get your answers in. The more answers that you get in, the more chance that you have of winning. But again, Snake Bites and Shipwrecks board game, it's all about mapping out Paul's missionary journey and creating this big map of the things that he did. If you would like that prize, you, all you have to do is call us, 0491-064-669. Call or text us with the correct answer. And again, that question was, in which chapter of Ephesians does Paul discuss the armor of God. Okay, if you know the answer, give us a call right now. Moving to more serious news. In the state of Florida in the United States, the Biden administration and the Florida Agricultural Commission have a program where they supply uh, lunches to low-income students. So this is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Basically, if you come from a low-income family, uh, they are going to ensure that you have at least one good nutritious meal each Mm. day. Uh, very, very important for you know families that are struggling, particularly uh, children that are coming coming from a single parent environment mm. and so forth. So, but then it came with strings attached because any school that is not fully trans affirming uh, doesn't get that kind of funding. Get so lost. basically, the way it works is get this: lost. If you do not buy into the social contagion that is sweeping across uh, Western society right now then we will come after your children. But we're not going to pick on all of the children. We're just going to pick on the really poor ones Mm. and take away their lunch. I think, like, this is a beneficial thing, not only for poor children, but, like, I I feel like schools just need to do this in general. Like, so many... Yeah, provide nutritious food. Like, so many kids end up in a situation even... Like, okay, I just know for myself... I'm not trying to make a sub story out of this, but I just know for myself, my parents were really busy working during the week when I was growing up. And so there would just be days and, and, you know, we had different family challenges and stuff going on. There would just be days where it's like, oh, we don't have, you know, don't have time to make, like I had myself and three sisters. And so there's lots of food to make. It's like, oh, we don't have the time to do this. So here guys, you can all have five bucks each. And then I was just like down the canteen, like buying sugar, sugar. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, a kid. Of course like, you're buying like sugar. Party pie. Like they'll be like, okay, go and get a toasted sandwich and a salad box for lunch. And I'll be like, okay. <laughs> and then I, I would buy like muffins and vanilla slices and party pies. Like guys, like like one hundred percent. Like again, we want parents to be parents, but especially in like our climate at the moment, it's like just good for schools to step up and say, "Hey, we want like a good menu with nutritious food that we can feed our kids, so they're okay." I know I would have definitely benefited of from it growing up. Like one hundred percent, it would have helped me a lot. And so, but now they're just like, well, in this story, it's specifically going after people who can't afford anything, which is so crazy. It's like, okay, we reckon that you are harming children, so we're going to harm them more so you get the message. <laughs> like, I know. <laughs> it's just it's bizarre, isn't it? It's the weirdest thing. Yeah, Talking about school lunches, though, I mean, I grew up in a single-parent home, and there would be very, actually very regularly that my dad would not have time to make uh, lunches for us. Yeah. And we had this massive garden that was growing, like massive garden. Mm-hmm. And so whenever he didn't have time for lunch for us, it would be a Tupperware bowl and he'd dump a tomato, a carrot, 
uh, a piece of like um, half a turnip, um, an apple in there, close the lid, there's your lunch, go. That's a banger. That <laughs> is a banger. <laughs> Those are the best memories of that. And to this day, when it comes to salad, I don't like tossed salad. <laughs> no, just give me chunky salad. Oh. <laughs> you know, with like a tomato and a carrot and a, a quarter of lettuce and away you go. That's, just, that's just taking bites out of every single one. That's it. That's, that's it. awesome. It's the way to have salad. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, yeah, they're going to persecute. Well, they were, their plan was to persecute uh, all of the kids going to schools that were not fully trans-affirming. It's like, okay, you are, you know, as, as you pointed out, you are um, being damaging to children because you're not giving them trans-affirming education, uh, so we're going to be damaging to children by taking away the n- nutritious food. Mm. Just weird. Anyway, the Grant Park Christian Academy in Tampa filed a lawsuit alleging the policy violates federal law and the school's free speech and religious liberty rights under the US Constitution. Mm-hmm. They had a total of 56 low-income students receiving free lunches through the program in their school. And on August 5, uh, the US, a U.S. district court, the Biden administration, Florida Agricultural Commission, uh, agreed to give the school a religious exemption under Title IX of the, uh, the, the law in relationship to the U.S. Constitution. So they've been forced to back down, mm. which is kind of obvious. Really, this is against the Constitution. What are, what are, what are, <laughs> what are you guys even going on about? Uh, Alliance Defending Freedom represented the school in court. Uh, they said that the school's ministry statement says that the word marriage has only one legitimate meaning, and that is marriage sanctioned by God, which joins one man and one woman. That's mm. standard for any Christian school. It shouldn't have taken a lawsuit to get the government to respect religious freedom, said the Alliance Defending Freedom Legal Counsel, uh, Erica steinmiller Podomo, uh, Grant Park Academy, Christian Academy treats every child with dignity and respect and never turns away a hungry child, now provided the government follows through and approves Grant Park Christian Academy's application and confirms its exemption, this private school can continue feeding dozens of children healthy meals every day. We will defend other public schools, public and private schools across the country who remain under the burden of this unlawful mandate that violates religious beliefs. And so it's good to see religious liberty actually being uh, enforced by law Mm -hmm. in the United States. Pity we don't have that kind of legislation here in this Mm. country. Uh, The Church of Scotland, so moving across the world, we're heading over to the Church of Scotland now, and they're about to close 31 churches. Oh, wow. And sell them. Mm -hmm. That's a big chunk. That's huge. They will be combining memberships with those churches. And basically when you look at the history of this, all of these churches that are going through this right now, so there's a whole slew of mostly mainline Protestant denominations mm. that are going through massive church closures. They're selling churches, they're selling church buildings, they're closing churches, they are combining congregations together because their membership literally fell off a cliff and they all have one thing in common and that is they went down the path of uh, LGBT plus affirmation. Now, I'm mm-hmm. not talking about acceptance because every church should have acceptance. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about affirmation, which is different from acceptance. And uh, the reality is, and this is this is something that's interesting, there is no church that has gone down the path of LGBT plus affirmation that will exist more past the next 15 years. Mm. Uh, there are a whole bunch of projections that are out there right now, 
and none of them will will exist. And you're talking about some of the biggest Christian denominations our world has ever seen that are about to vanish. Mm. You know, so you've got the Presbyterian Church here. Uh, in Australia, you've got the Uniting Church. Uh, you've got the Methodist Church. You've got a whole bunch of these different churches that will not exist in 15 years' mm. time. And it's interesting that the churches that are growing are not doing that. Yes, and so it reminds me of a passage of Scripture that comes from Acts chapter 5 and verse 33 where the disciples were being persecuted and the Sanhedrin had decided to execute them. Uh, in verse 33 it says, When they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel how to kill them. And they stood up in the council a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law who had a reputation among all the people and commanded to put the apostles aside for a little while. He said to them, You men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do as touching these men. For before these days rose up Thutis, boasting himself to be somebody to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves. He was killed, and all as many as obeyed him were scattered and brought to nothing. After this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing and drew away many people after him. He also perished, and all as many as obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, refrain from these men, let them alone. For if this counsel or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you be found even to be fighting against God. Mm. And so the question is, all right, we can look at this from a theological perspective, and you're only going to find about six verses in the Bible dealing with this particular subject. But you can also look at it from a Gamaliel perspective. Mm. What are the fruits of this? So is this has, has this created dramatic church growth? Has it brought glory and honor to the cause of God? Mm. Or what are we seeing? We've been seeing this now since the early 2000s. These churches have literally fallen off the edge of a cliff as far as their membership goes. Mm. That, that should make us stop and think. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Here on The Breakfast Show with the Double L Tim Lyle and Lawson. We're about to go to interview of the day where Jennifer Skews is going to join us. Before we do, Lawson, we have another question for our quiz. That's right. Okay, our next question of the quiz. This one, again, is a multiple choice, so get ready. The message of Obadiah was primarily directed to A, Judah, B, Israel, C, Nineveh, or D, Edom. I'll read that one one more time. The message of Obadiah, so he was an Old Testament prophet, was directed primarily to A, Judah, B, Israel, C, Nineveh, or D, Edom. 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text our prize for this morning, Snake Bites and Shipwrecks, our epic board game that we are giving away as, you know, the result of a draw. You can go into the draw for on Friday. But again, that prize snake bites and shipwrecks a game where you map out paul's missionary journey but that question one more time the message of obadiah was directed primarily to a judah b israel c nineveh or d edom zero four nine one zero six four six six nine all right well joining us on the phone this morning is jennifer skews to talk about emotional health jennifer welcome to the show thank you it's a beautiful day up here Oh, enjoy it while it's there. We've had some pretty nasty weather over the last few weeks, so uh, let's make the most of those nice days. Jennifer, tell us, what are we talking about today? Well, we've been talking a lot about emotions because when you look at life, 
what drives us is our feelings, and this becomes the problem. This is what puts us on the, the emotional roller coaster. We talked about having too much passion and too many feelings that take over, and then we make decisions that go wrong, or we're attracted to people that aren't good for us, or we, well, we might choose the wrong thing because it feels good. And there's a lot of the feeling good at the moment because people um, are being compromised. We've got so much trauma and fear around that people want to do things to feel good. So I thought looking more, keep exploring that one because this is the key. If you can have that self-control and regulate your emotions, then you, you will make the right decisions and you will be focused in the present moment. So uh, one of the things that we need to do is to recognize our feelings at any given time. And I don't know, do you find you're aware of the way you feel? Well, I don't really stop and think about how do I feel right now. I just feel. Um, It's not something that, you know, for me is, you know, something that I often sort of monitor. Think about. Yeah. So when you're feeling good, you don't. But when you're feeling bad, you really notice them. Mm -hmm. I get people who come to me and say, I'm so anxious and, Life's terrible and it's miserable and I don't feel like going on anymore. And so they're very hooked into those feelings. They just want to feel good again. So one of the things is being able to identify feelings. And um, with clients, I've got a uh, sheet with faces on with all sorts of feelings and get them to look through that. And they go, oh, yes, I do feel that way at times. And it's just bringing awareness because in identifying the feeling, then we can uh, more easily deal with it or not action it. Um, and this is where that mindfulness approach uh, needs to come into play, where we're in the moment and we know we're feeling, and say, annoyed with someone, which we see as a negative feeling. So what are we going to do with it? Are we, is it going to come through our tone of voice? Is it going to um, direct the way we talk to that person? So this is where we've only got split-second timing to make that choice. But if we're hooked into the past of what that person's done before, then we're more likely to express our frustration or anger than if we're in the moment and we're aware that we're reacting that way. So this is about how do you become aware of the emotional space you're in. Um, and I don't know if you've ever thought about it, and I think you're a pretty feel-good person from what I can see. You seem to be very happy and enjoy life, um, which is important. But how do you know when you're caught up in those negative feelings? And this is what I get people to do to identify that. And um, this is where doing things to be in the present, just do some breathing. There used to be an old um, saying when I was growing up, I can remember my mother, you know, with my father going, well, if he was angry, go and take 10 deep breaths and you'll be fine. And it, <laughs> it did. <Yeah. laughs> I'm sure we all remember those sorts of things. So this is where it, it's, it's being aware in the moment and if you're feeling a certain way or you've re- reacted to a certain thing, then how do you deal with that? Um, so I can help people to look at how can you choose not to act on those negative feelings? Um, even... Acting on positive feelings can be a problem at times. Do you think we can feel too good? That's an interesting question. I've never actually stopped to think about that before. Uh, <laughs> what would be the danger of feeling too good? Well, you get uh, people who have that problem when we look at what they call bipolar disorder. 
and they swing to extremes. And when they're in their, what they call that manic phase, they feel so good that they will do anything. They'll go and spend money they don't have. They'll buy things they don't have. And it's all because they feel so fantastic. They'll go off and do things. It's amazing what they do. And they have a lot of energy. So we can feel too good. Um, and I think this is the art when you go out to buy things. Like if you go to the shop, people... People who are selling things directly will work on your feelings and try and get you to feel good about it. So um, they'll compliment you, they'll preempt what you might like or might not like. Um, and it's based on if you can get the pe- person hooked into the feelings of that item or that, whether it be a car, a dress, a, a coat, anything, then you're likely to buy it. So this is where feelings you can feel too good and then you walk away and you go, oh, I don't really want that. Why did I buy that? Um, fortunately, yeah. today we can take things back. <laughs> yeah, for sure, but is, I always feel bad when I take things back and I sort of avoid doing it uh, because I, I feel kind of guilty because, you know, I went in there and, and, and bought that thing. But, you know, when it comes to buying things and mm-hmm. you're talking about, you know, you feel too good so you buy a bunch mm-hmm. of stuff, the reality mm-hmm. is that when I buy something, I do feel good. I get a I get a, a definite dopamine hit from you know buying something, so taking it out, putting it in the car, so driving true. home with it. So but it's a but it's a very short it's a very short experience. You know, by the next day, it's like it's just something that you now have. Yes, because it's what we call instant gratification. If I'm not if I, if I see something I like and I feel good and I buy it and take it home, it's it's not permanent. You get sick of it, you get used to it, you don't want it anymore, and then you've got to, what, you need to go out and buy something more. Mm. And this is what people do, and this is why people do things like hoarding or um, they go out and they just buy things that they never wear, never use, um, because it, it, um, it, it's like an addiction, and that's what drives addictions. Your feelings drive your addictions, and that principle of it, if it feels good, do it. Um, and there's some of the awful sayings we've been brought up with um, that it isn't. If you feel good, you need to go, well, hang on, why am I feeling so good about this? Is it good for me? This is where questioning yourself. Um, one of the things, because I've done what you do, I'll go in and, oh, I really like that and I feel so good and I want to buy it. I've learned that when I'm driven by that, to go and do some shopping elsewhere, I'll leave leave whatever it is and go and do something else and decide then. And I find once I do that, within 10, 20 minutes, I don't want it anymore. So yeah, and ask yourself, do I need it? Do I want it? Do I need it? And what, you know, will I get sick of it? So this is that self-awareness of being more mindful about what we do, particularly with the way we feel. So this is something I think everybody can relate to, you know, when we talk about mm-hmm. buying things. Uh, mm-hmm. I think every human on the planet can relate to that. We all, I would think, get that that dopamine hit, that, that feel good from buying something. Is that is that wrong in and of itself? Not really because I believe there are things that, can help us to feel good, but they're transient things. It's temporary. So as so long as we mm-hmm. recognise that this is making yeah. me feel good now, but it won't tomorrow. Yeah, yeah but it might not last. Um, it's something I need today. You know, it's something I need to do right now. But, um, I mean, when you look at it from a Christian's perspective, the only way I can truly feel good is in my relationship with God through yes. Christ. Yes, yes. And, and that will be there all the time. Yeah. 
And this is where I think the tool for being mindful is being prayerful. And that's where if I feel really good about something, especially if it's going to cost me a bit more money, is to pray about it, to ask some guidance and go away and use that what we, you know, we talked about left, right brain, using that left brain to check it out, to question it, to think about it and step back from that feeling because it is, we call them fickle feelings. Is that the right feeling? How do we know it's the right feeling? It's a hard one. Most people struggle with this. It's uh, not easy. But it's good to practice it if you're out shopping, even in the supermarket. I mean, how many people come home with stuff that they won't use or, you know, the thing of going shopping when you're hungry, not having a shopping list, all these things, we end up paying for a lot of stuff that we might not want. So, There's an interesting point that you raised there, and, and mm-hmm. I'm going to just focus in on this shopping thing here for a minute because I think we can all relate to it. Uh, mm-hmm. Does a shopping list help us to shop in a way where we can, yes, enjoy the feeling that we bought something and we're taking something home with us without falling into the trap of uh, becoming addicted to that momentary rush? Yeah, buying whatever. Yeah, it is. It's a momentary rush. We get that adrenaline going. Um, well, I find... The shopping list helps, but you've got to be disciplined to stick to your list. I mean, doing things like, well, I'm, I'm going to buy one item I'd really like, but I want to stick to my shopping list. So, I'm, you know, you might buy one thing that you didn't come in for. Um, so it's having that self-discipline because that's important. If we don't discipline ourselves and our feelings, they control us, and that, that's the problem. And that good feeling becomes a negative then. Um but with shopping, I find it's like when you go food shopping, if you're hungry, you're likely to buy a lot of things you don't need or junk food or things that um, you know will quickly go into the stomach instead of being discerning about is that good for me, is that healthy? So, uh, you know, rule of thumb, if you're hungry, go and eat first and do your shopping. It makes a huge difference, I can tell you. What about if you're feeling sad when you go shopping? Will that affect what you buy? I believe your mood does affect what you buy. Um, if you're often when you're feeling sad, or particularly you're feeling depressed, you avoid things like shopping. Um, but if you're sad and you're going to shopping to get something to make you feel good again, that's that's that trap of using an object or something to feel good. Mm. So, which was my point of if I'm feeling sad, I need to talk to God about it and. Um, have a look at why am I feeling sad, process it a lot more. If not, it controls me. And it's look, it's not abnormal to feel sad. Sad things happen in life. Um, so it's not about not feeling sad, it's what we do with it. But certainly the way we are emotionally and physically when we do things like going shopping make a big difference. So here's an interesting thought, and it relates to the difference between my wife and I. And I'm just wondering whether you've got, you might not have thoughts on this, you might have some thoughts on this. Uh, mm-hmm. when when I decide I want to buy something, one of the things that I enjoy doing is researching it online. And I'll, you know, read reviews, I'll look online, I'll, I'll look at this one compared to that one, I'll trawl through Marketplace, Gumtree, mm-hmm. whatever, and then eventually I'll decide what I'm going to buy. I'll turn up to the shop, walk in, take it off the shelf, take it up to the counter, buy it and walk out, and yep. it's all done. My wife, on the other hand, She's not so much of an online researcher. She likes to walk around the shop to see it, to feel it, to touch it, to experience it. And she might spend, you know, I might spend five minutes max in the shop. She might spend a couple of hours in that shop or several shops before she decides on a purchase. Is that just a difference between 
two individuals or is that a male-female thing? Is there a right or a wrong here? Um, and which one, is there one of those that is, go, is more prone to becoming a, a problem, an addiction and becoming attached to, you know, attaching it to our feelings? Well, and there's lots of good questions there. Um, there are, there can be gender differences for a start. The female brain tends to be busy, do a lot of things, uh, is more emotionally focused so to go and feel and to touch and look at things and make decisions, whereas male brain generally, and I'm generalising here, uh, male brains are more uh, rational in the sense that let's uh, let, this is the problem, I need this, let's look at it, research it, compare it. Women can be more impulsive because they're more emotionally driven, but it just depends. Not all women are. We have that balance of masculinity, femininity in the brain to make decisions. So, yes, so there is a gender difference, um, but also it comes back to personality. Uh, some people like to go, I like to go online, but then I like to do what your wife does, go and then look at it all in the shops and look at it, touch it, read the manual, do whatever. So I'll then spend time shopping, but I've already researched and I combine both of those. So see how individuals work. Neither are wrong, uh, only if it leads, as you said, to being more addicted to having to buy things or if it's an emotional issue, then it's not good for us. Yeah, so maybe the differences there are just a, you know, one of those benefits where God has said, you know, it's it's great for a man and a woman to be together and form a team because they can, you know, yeah. in, in an ideal environment, balance each other out. Absolutely. Your um, thorough research and that can be helpful maybe for your wife to be able to make a better decision if she doesn't make good decisions. Or you might learn to enjoy the process of shopping a bit more as well as researching online. So. Yeah, we do. We we share the process. It's, it's a good thing. Mm. Jennifer Skews, we've gone down the uh, the path of talking about shopping here, but I thought it was a good way to illustrate, you know, how we make decisions in relationship to our feelings because it's something we all experience. Thank you so much for joining us here this morning um, on The Breakfast Show. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.